electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Joining us today, Danny Strong, creator, writer, and showrunner of Dope Sick on Hulu. Danny, it's great to have you with us. Thanks for the time. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And congratulations on, on the success and the Emmy noms, but I think maybe most importantly is just the social impact you've had with the show. And I have to imagine, given with what I've read about your your origins and the story, you were you were moved by the story, right? You were, oh, I'd say you did. were outraged. Yeah, I, I knew very little about the facts when I originally started reading it. And I was stunned, angered, enraged. I couldn't believe how one company that was micromanaged, that was run by a single family, could cause so much destruction in this country for this very small group of people to make billions of dollars. It was it was a stunning story to me. And the facts of the case that they had pled guilty to in 2007 as a company, I thought people need to understand what this company has already pled guilty to, the actions that they had committed to lie about a dangerous narcotic claiming that it was in fact safe and non-addictive when it was not. Right. Do you think to you is the nugget of the of the story about the cultural backdrop, right? What happened to America that allowed this to happen? Or is it about the behavior of the Sacklers in Purdue? Is it about regulators and maybe their lack of attentiveness? Or is it is it really a combination? Well, I don't think it's the cultural backdrop because they created the cultural backdrop that turned into the opioid crisis. I really think it's about the Sacklers uh, and Purdue Pharma, the lies of this company, but very much so about the regulators as well. I think you were spot on bringing that up and how the institutions that are supposed to protect us from a criminal company like Purdue Pharma not only failed us, but at times colluded with them, uh, enabled them and and you know, this uh, a huge portion of how this all happened is because of systematic failures at the FDA. And in some cases, it wasn't even failures. It was just collusion and corruption. Right. I've read a lot about uh, the pressure that the cast and crew were under uh, to bring the story to life. I know Michael Keaton has given some interviews in which he would read a script and he couldn't imagine the story was actually that bad in real life. He would come to you and you would show him news accounts that said, we are not overstating the egregiousness of this behavior. Yeah. Yeah, there were some of the crimes that they had committed, some of the lies they told seemed uh, absurd to Michael. You know, really, they created fake blood charts. They created uh, fake slogans that were 100% untrue. And then I would just show him the documentation of the fake blood charts of the fake slogans, the fact that they ultimately, as I said before, pled guilty to these crimes. And then after the guilty plea, they would just continue uh, with their behavior, their actions, their prescribing uh, as, as vigorous as they were, they did before they actually pled guilty to these crimes. So it's the outrage just goes on and on and on. Uh, the story never ends and we're still living with it right now. Right, given all that, was it a challenge to uh, pitch 
I mean, did it narrow your universe of potential buyers? Talk about how the, how you sold it. Yeah, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, it was it was pretty frustrating, actually. I had this best-selling book by Beth Macy. Um, I had incredible producers, Warren Littlefield and John Goldwyn. These two legendary producers were attached to it. Uh, and I, you know, I have a decent background telling true life stories. So we thought we were going to go around and that all the studios were going to be and all the networks uh, were going to be interested in the show. And in fact, the opposite was the case. Uh, all of them passed except for one. I wrote the script for that studio. They ended up or that network. They ended up not making it. And then at the at the final hour, uh, Hulu stepped up and just saved the entire project and greenlit it for the entire season based on that pilot script. So uh, deeply, deeply grateful to Hulu. Uh, it seemed like it was never going to happen until they stepped in and said, yeah, we're going to make this. I wonder what you think that says about Hulu, not just because of uh, the relationship to you and Dopesick, but you mentioned Littlefield and uh, the old man and what they've done with Handmaids. What kind of reputation do you think they're carving out, uh, given some of these large projects that have done so well for them? Well, you see in the last two years, in a very short period of time, Hulu is on an incredible run right now where they're having project after project is breaking through uh, in the public consciousness. Uh, well, you know, we have a joke in the business, which is if people have even heard of your show, then you're a success at this point because there is so much content and so much competition. But Hulu is, it's literally there, it's like six in a row now for the last 18 months, uh, <laughs> breaking through in a, in a really major way. Uh, I think it's a very exciting place to be right now as an artist. And I think, you know, they're, they're just one of the forefronter, uh, forerunners of uh, providing content to this country right now, quality content. Yeah, I wonder, I mean, is the business, is the creative side talking about where it should fit long-term strategically uh, for any of their ownership partners, or is that is that is that really not your concern at this point? Well, you do talk about these things, but the truth is, is that it's so hard for uh, a writer, a director, to get any project set up anywhere that at the end of the day, you're, you're grateful that if even one buys it. So you've got your target places, uh, the places that you uh, wouldn't love to do something at. And I, it's not, you know, sort of the, the name brands, Hulu, Netflix, uh, HBO Max. Now, um, you know, Apple has been on a great run as well recently. So these are sort of your top, your top choices, I think, uh, to sell things. But that doesn't mean that you want to sell it to them, that they're going to buy it. Everyone wants to sell it to them. So it's it's just a very, very difficult business from the artist side to just get any project going uh, on any level. And, you know, the fact that I had the successful project at Hulu, uh, I'm thrilled because now I've got a great place to go with my next one, which is Hulu. Uh, <laughs> I, I would love to work with them again. That's interesting. I think I think from the outside, the view is, oh, uh, it's a seller's market. These creators, these content people with ideas, they've got this new generation of companies with deep pockets uh, and they need content. I guess I'm wondering why is it challenging? You make it sound like it's a bit of a, a, hard, a hard move getting, getting through some of these meetings. Yeah, so, so your point of view makes perfect sense. Uh, and it's, and it, it, it's sort of the perception of the business. But when you're actually in the business on my side of it, 
That's not what's happening. It's not, hey, the, we're buying everything from everyone. Any, it's, it's literally um, because the competition to sell projects to these companies is so fierce. Uh, it's just, it's very difficult to get a project, not just sold, but even even harder to get a project made. And, and one of the reasons why is that the investment on the company side, when they go make a project, it's an $80, $100 million uh, investment gamble. So they don't take these decisions lightly. Uh, and, and, you know, our challenge, our goal on the artist side is to convince you to, to excite uh, the buyers that, hey, this is going to be a great show. Um, but that doesn't mean they're automatically just going to buy it. Right. I wonder what kind of advice or what your view is right now of broadcast specifically. Uh, a lot of the projects you've developed, I mean, you, you, you've had relationships with the big broadcasters, but have we reached a point where the consumer is craving and expecting a story uh, with so much uh, vigor and texture that it's just not possible to sell it to legacy broadcasting, I mean, wh where do they fit in right now? After losing all the time spent and now being almost a, a non-thought when it comes to award season. Yeah, yeah. Well, first off, uh, this interview is really interesting. It wasn't what I was expecting. I thought we were going to be just talking about dope sick, and I love that we're actually <laughs> talking about the business of the business at this point. So, um, I think that your question—it's—it's it's a key question that many people have been talking about in the industry for several years now. And my attitude towards it is, is yes, the the streaming audience, the cable audience is still growing, uh, and that the content on streaming and cable is very sophisticated at times, uh, you know, very, uh, lots of layers, lots of depth. Um, at the same time, you've got shows on broadcast that fulfill uh, an audience's uh, need or, or a specific desire for that kind of entertainment. I mean, that's the great thing about storytelling is that there's a genre for everyone, right? So not everyone wants to see um, some, I don't know, some, some, some dark ongoing story. Uh, they want their weekly case of the week because they love their weekly case of the week. They love that show. Um, so there's, there's, you know, I think the more diversity of content that's out there, uh, the more there is, I think you expand your audience. I don't think you, I don't think you shrink in your audience because you've got more types of shows that, that people want to see. And if people don't want to see that kind of show, you're going to find out real quick because no one's going to watch it. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's, I don't think that it's, it's just got to be, you know, cable streaming versus broadcast. I think there actually is an audience for broadcast. I know there is because we see the numbers and people still watch these shows and they love these kinds of shows. So it's, I, I think there's no, there's no limitation for the type of programming you can do. I think the key is, is whatever you're doing, you need to do it well so that people want to watch your show. Right. We mentioned the awards, uh, and, and Dope Sick is up for producing, writing, and directing for limited or anthology. Um, it seems like a natural to get your show talked about, as you said a moment ago, but then people say, oh, but award show viewership has declined over the years. How much mileage do we get out of awards right now? I think that even though there's always every year so much talk about the ratings of the award shows, and yes, the numbers have gone down, but they're still extremely important because even though numbers have gone down, there's still a lot of people watching the show. And what the show does is it creates a platform 
to advertise all of these shows, right? So if you're a huge, um, I don't know, if you're a huge broadcast fan or maybe you just have Netflix and you don't have Hulu, right? And then you go and you watch the Emmys and you see, oh, this Dope Sick show looks really cool and the Dropout looks really cool. Maybe I should go, maybe I should check Hulu out, right? Or vice versa. So uh, these these award shows ultimately function as a platform um, for the shows themselves. And I think that's a great thing. I think it brings more attention to quality shows because hopefully the shows that are getting nominated are in fact shows of quality. So I think they serve a great purpose. I'm really glad that the Golden Globes, it looks like, are going to be coming back. I think that uh, the, the Globes made a massive error in their behavior uh, by not having uh, any American Black members. I think it was ridiculous. At the same time, I don't think they should be canceled. I think that they need to course correct. And then I think that they need to come back on the air because they provide a giant platform um, for content and and specifically for shows that aren't as popular uh, as other shows. So, it, and it just brings more eyeballs to the work. And that's what this is all about at the end of the day when it comes to, um, when it comes to award shows. Right. And it's fun Finally, to win an award. You. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm thrilled to be there. <laughs> uh, absolutely thrilled to be nominated. Uh, I'm thrilled for the show. Um, it's a lot of fun for myself. It's a lot of fun for my cast members uh, and my crew and everyone that, that gets nominated. Everyone that doesn't get nominated, just be part of the show that got a lot of nominations is extremely rewarding. But the ultimate goal is to bring um, is to bring more viewers to the show. And in the case of our show, because the show has such a strong agenda you know, redefining the nature of addiction, shining a light on the crimes of Purdue Pharma, um, giving a deeper, better understanding of treatments like buprenorphine. I mean, we have some real missions here. Uh, so to get uh, more eyeballs on the show uh, really does help promote uh, and, and shine a light on these on these issues that we really wanted to talk about. Yeah, well, we'll be rooting for you, Danny. Uh, the Emmys, of course, September 12th on NBC. Our thanks to you. It's great to see you again. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It was a really fun interview. Uh, Danny Strong, of course, creator, writer, and showrunner of Dope Sick on Hulu. The legends are true. With overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.